I will take you from the nations. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is David Jones, and you're listening to From Stone to Flesh. We're going to talk a little bit about Eliyahu today, and uh, it's, it's great to talk about some of the people in the Scripture that, that encourage us and challenge us and to look at their lives and different things that they have. And, you know, when we think of Eliyahu, a lot of us immediately go to the, the fire, right? Where, where he called down the fire and, and, and consumed the offering and he killed the 400 prophets of Baal and we're like, yeah, you know. But you know, Eliyahu's purpose on the earth was not that one moment. See, a lot of times when we think about someone, we think about like one grand moment or one great thing. But that wasn't his purpose. That was something that he did in that purpose while he was here. But that wasn't the reason for him being here. Okay? So we think of these great victories, these great things, but... Uh, Eliyahu was here to call the people to the heart of the Father. To help unite the people. To help bring them together. Even if we think about, we read 1 Kings 18 and 19, right? If we go and we read about the the fire when he called all this, one of the things that he said when he prayed for the fire was this, that the people would know you are God. To turn their hearts to one another is the idea, is the goal, is the purpose. And so we find when when we talk about Eliyahu, we talk about zeal. And man, it's good to be zealous, right? Matter of fact, some of us, you know, need to be a little zealous for something, right? It's good to have zeal, but the problem is just because you're zealous for something doesn't make it right. You can be zealous for something and be wrong. You can be genuine of something and be genuinely wrong. <laughs> See? A, a, a child can, can be absolutely consumed in the moment and just go running off in the middle of the street. And are we really any different? We get real excited about something. Do we really stop and think through our actions or do we just go off? And if we think about it, I mean, then there's nothing wrong with being excited. We need it, you know? We need to be excited. We need to, to, to share what's in our heart. But we also have to be careful of what we're sharing is from the heart of the Father, not just of us. See, because, because we, we talk about Eliyahu, we talk about his zeal, we talk about all these things. Zeal is great, but zeal also has to have wisdom to go along with it. Because to be zealous without wisdom, boy, that's a road you don't want to go down, right? So we talk about zeal, and that's good. We need that, okay? I'm not saying anything against that. But let's not forget that Elijah was also discouraged. See, and I want to encourage you in something here. Your relationship with the Father is not based on whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley. Do I need to say that again? Your relationship with the Father is not based on if you're on the mountain or in the valley. God is not determined by your circumstances. Okay, If your relationship with the Father is influenced by your circumstances, you might want to consider who you're really serving. Because God does not change. right? So we need to hold on to Him and hold on to His heart. Whether we're in the toppest and the highest of the mountain, right? Last week, we were, Faith and I were in Washington State, and we were on the tops of pretty big mountains, man. That was pretty awesome. And then you come down, and your ears start... So now, like, you're in a valley, and it's like, man, I don't go back to that mountain. And it's like, man, this is, you know, that's what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter where you're at in that. You know, it's like, as I, I like to quote a really dear friend of mine, Batya, when she says, you know, when things are going great, cheer up, it gets worse. And when things are going really wrong, cheer up, it gets worse. The point of it is, not, not to say, oh no, just, no. The point of it is, is, is it doesn't matter where you're at in life. 
It doesn't matter what you're going through. And I'm not saying it doesn't matter. I'm saying is your relationship with the Father is constant. Because even, even in Him, though you're on the top of the mountains, in the mountains, see, you ever notice that when you read about the Scriptures and you read about the people in these mountaintop experiences that we always say we want, they never stayed there. So in these mountaintop experiences, the goal or the purpose of these mountaintop experiences, now get down the mountain and take what you got there down there. So that when you get into the valleys, it doesn't matter that you're in a valley. So, that's why we say the Scriptures, like, so the hills brought low and the valleys... Yeah, so it's, it's level. Though life is a roller coaster, your relationship with the Father is a constant. Okay? So that's, that's where we need to keep our eyes and our hearts set. Right? And... Kind of a, uh, what do you call it, spoiler alert? John the Baptist, Yochanan, you know, the mikvah man, right? He was great and zeal and wonderful and this excited guy and did a lot of great things, right? At the end of his life, when he was about to lose his head, he was discouraged. And he sent word to from his disciples to go to Yeshua and say, okay, look, I know you're the guy, but are you the guy? See, so, so I want to encourage you by saying, if you get discouraged, it doesn't mean your faith has left you. It's easy to look around and, and, and to see the things that happen in life and to get discouraged. It's easy to do that. Okay? But the point of it is, you know, why does God allow us to get discouraged? Because it's at that point where we become vulnerable and we have to be real with ourselves and to, and to make choice of what we're going to look at. What we're going to turn our attention to. We're faced every, every day in scripture with choices. Every day in life has choices. From the very beginning, from the time you wake up, you can choose to open your eyes or not. Now you'll lay there if you don't. But you can choose to open your eyes or not. You choose to get out of bed. You choose to do your job. You're like, no, those aren't choices. Yes, those are choices. It may not be choices you like, but they are choices. Every day you're faced with choices. And the choices we make, we have to stop and say, am I going to make choices today that glorify the Father, that bring people closer to Him? Am I going to make the choices that honor Him and, and by my actions to bring people to His heart? Or am I going to do my own thing today? And let's face it, some days it's what you do, Right? But this is where the Father wants to, wants to, to, to encourage us. If we stop and just take a minute, we can change our focus and, and to get back up and continue in the job the Father has called us to do. Spoiler alert. I could stop now, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> Alright? So, first off, let's take a look back quickly because I'm not gonna spend a lot of time focused on this, right? You can read it, 1 Kings chapter 18, chapter 19, right? So, there's a showdown for the prophets. You're getting your picture. I mean, I always wanted to see this done properly in a movie. <laughs> I say properly because a lot of the biblical movies, they take too much creative license. You know? But here we have Eliyahu. He's, he's standing back. He, the prophets of Baal, they're giving it their all. They're giving it their best. And I bet you could say they were genuine and sincere in what they believed. And they were wrong. They, they even got to the point of they were slicing themselves and crying and screaming out. And here we have Eliyahu over here going, maybe he's on the toilet. <laughs> Literally. Read it. Maybe he went on vacation. Huh. So you don't get after John for his humor anymore. 
<laughs> it's that spirit of Elijah. <laughs> but <laughs> So here we are. He's praying and he's crying out for this fire to come down. And the declaration of the God that answers by fire. Eliyahu is his prophet. He is the one true God. There is no other God in Israel. There is no other God in the earth. He is the one. The, the prophets of Baal were slain. Eliyahu slayed, slew, slain, slayed, killed 400 prophets of Baal. <laughs> you missed me, didn't you? <laughs> I hope so. But it didn't stop there. Because what happened immediately, I mean, we would think if we've been through an experience like that, what an amazing thing to go through. I mean, it's not just like, wow, God answered prayer, but like fire came down from the sky. <laughs> It's not just like God answered prayer, but God answered prayer and I, everyone got a tan in the process. So what happens? Elijah runs in fear. You know, it's kind of like we get after when we're reading through the Torah and we find how the children of Israel went in the wilderness and they started complaining and they started arguing and they started doing all these things with each other. And, 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 and we want to say in our self-righteous, pious acts, if I was then, if I was with them, I wouldn't. Oh, shut up. Yes, you would. Because we do it now. <laughs> if we do it now, we're, we would do it then. The point is, when we're reading through the Scripture, let's be real with what we see in front of us. And we can find ourselves in the midst of all these things. And we can see how Israel saw these great and mighty acts. I mean, come on. They witnessed the plagues. And then they come out and go into the wilderness and they're like, is God with us or not? Hello? He parted the sea and you walked through it. What do you mean? Is He with you? Oh, because that happens every Friday, right? No, God is with you. But yet, the reason why these things happen is because we don't get something the, the way we want or what we expect it to be. And so because something doesn't happen the way we expect it to be, well, well obviously God's not giving me what I want. So, you know, is He with me or not? Okay, you parents, do you give your kid everything they ask for? No, you don't. Why? Because some of the things they ask for, some of it's just flat out ridiculous, right? But some of it would not benefit them if you gave it to them. You ever stop to think maybe the father does that with us? That some of the things we ask for, he, he, he doesn't want to give us because we would destroy ourselves with it. And further, would we really learn to rely on him if we just got everything that we wanted? Much like when you're a kid, you start to grow up, you appreciate what you worked for. You appreciate what you earned. If you have everything given to you your whole life, you have nothing but the sense of entitlement that everybody needs to give you everything, and boy, you're going to be disappointed. So when we're, when we're walking through the wilderness, we need to learn to have faith in the Father that he is with us. He is guiding us. He is leading us. So in the times when we feel discouraged, we may have just had some great spiritual experience that is like, wow, God, if you could just do that in my life every day. Have you ever said something like that? Why do we have to expect God to do some great miracles in our life every day for us to love Him? Why do we, have, why do we expect God to prove every day He loves us? He loves you. Let me tell you again, He loves you. He wants you to walk with Him. He desires to walk hand in hand with you. And in that, a lot of times when we learn to do that, is in the valley. 
A lot of times when we learn to turn our heart and our intention toward the Father is those times when we're like, God, I don't, I don't understand what's happening in my life right now. And that is when the Father says, okay, I want you to trust me. Take my hand and let's walk. Because maybe the Father's trying to work something into you that's not there yet. Maybe the Father wants to show you something that will really blow your mind. But your attention would be somewhere else because you're not focusing on what He's bringing you through. It could be anything. My point is, your circumstances do not dictate the love of God for you. Can you imagine, during the Shoah, the Holocaust, do you think God forsook His people? No, He didn't. But yet, how many testimonies do you hear of people going to their death declaring the Shema? Quoting Deuteronomy 6 as they're going, as they're declaring, their, their last breath within them, they're declaring their loyalty to the God that they serve. Wow. There's a lot to be said for that. The point here, Eliyahu had some massive, great spiritual experience. And then he turned right around and said, hey, you know those prophets of Baal you killed? Jezebel's out for your head. And what did he do? He ran. He killed these 400 prophets of Baal and he's scared of one person? Really? Let's look at a couple things. First Kings 19, 1-4. Ahab told Jezebel all that Eliyahu did, and Jezebel sent a messenger to Eliyahu. Now think about that. He sent a messenger to him. Why didn't she just send an assassin? See, no, because Jezebel wanted to instill fear. And it worked. It's kind of like in this, in this parsha this week, you know, Balaam and Balak. You know, Balaam could not curse Israel. God wasn't going to. And so what happens is they got the people of Israel to make choices outside of their position of covenant to cause a curse to come in by idolatry, right? So it's the same kind of tactic. You know, you can't just full on come forward and destroy them. So what's going to happen? Let's instill fear into their heart so that way they don't have the faith to trust God. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Eliyahu and he arose and did what? Ran for his life, right? Where'd he go? Horeb. Where's Horeb? When you, when you hear Horeb, what are you talking about Horeb? Horeb is also synonymous with Sinai. So 1 Kings 19, 1-4, what happens? He requested for himself that he might die. He's crying out to God. And he, he's, he's saying, you know, he's requesting that he die. Why? Because he says, God, it, it's enough. You know, just, 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 just kill me. Just take away my life because I'm not any better than my fathers. I could not do any better than my fathers. They failed before me. I can't do, I, I feel like I failed. Let's just call it quits and just take me now. I think he was a little discouraged. Do you? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like, God, I don't understand what's going on, but if this is the way it's going to be, just get it over with, right? And what happened? Eliyahu was discouraged. But he wanted to know the plans that would come. He wanted to know what was going to happen in the future. You know, because, because a lot of times we get discouraged because we don't see the whole picture. We don't, we get discouraged because we don't have all the details. You don't need all the details. All you need is to know that the Father is with you. Because if he gave you all the details, you wouldn't go do it. He more than likely won't tell you more than the next step he wants you to take. Because I think if the Father were to show you the end result and the things that are, that are awaiting you to come, we would be like, oh no. And we don't have the faith in that yet to be at that point. Much like when they came out of Egypt, God took them the long route out 
Because he said if they see war with, the, with, the, with those that are there, if they see the war, they'll grow faint of heart. But yet we see not far from there that they came out of Egypt fully equipped for war. So why is it that we're fully equipped for war, but if they see war, they'll lose heart? What's going on? They had everything that they needed for the battle, but they didn't have the faith to, to go into it. They were equipped with everything they needed, they just didn't have the faith to walk that yet. Much like when we're born again. We have everything we need to live this life in a way the Father desires. A lot of times we don't have the faith to fully walk in it though. We have it at our disposal. It's within you. We just don't know how to do it yet. And so the Father takes us through circumstances and takes us through places to teach us what He desires for us. Okay? So 1 Kings 19, 9 and 10 says this, So he came thither unto a cave, and he lodged there. And behold, the word of Yahweh came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Eliyahu? So I kind of picture, you know, you, you think about you know, the, 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 the thunder and the, all the rolling and all these great things, and then the still small voice, right? See, that's what he was looking for, was that still small voice. He tells him to go stand out, and go stand out of the cave, and he goes and he stands out of the cave, and then he comes to him, and he says this again. And I kind of picture it, in my mind, as something like this. What are you doing here, Eliyahu? It's like, why are you here? You need to be back where I put you. Why are you here? Because he was there. He didn't go there just to try to seek the Father or to go there to try to spend time with Him. Or to... No, he was there because he got scared. He was there because he ran. So now he's so... So I, I picture this kind of like Yah when he was in the garden and he cried out to Adam, where are you? He knew where he was. He wanted Adam to realize where he was. Okay? Verse 10. And he said, now you can hear this. Well, God, I've done great things for you and I've done these marvelous things and I have, I've done everything that's right and I have, I've, I've done everything that you asked me and, and, and now they want to kill me because I just did what you said. I'm paraphrasing. But isn't that kind of the way this is going? Because he says, I've been very jealous for Yahweh of hosts, Yahweh Sava'ot, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down the altars. They've slain your prophets with a sword. And I'm the only one left and they want to kill me. Really? Really? What did the Father tell him? Well, first off, he says, so I've been very jealous for the Lord. Okay? Jealous. And he said, Kinati is my zeal. Because if you haven't figured it out yet, the word kana is the same for jealous and zealous. It's the same Hebrew word. So I have been zealous for the Lord, but I have been jealous for the Lord. Because the people have gone off in idolatry, and I've seen the idolatry, I've, I've felt the jealousy of the Father against the people, and I have acted in zeal towards the people to try to help bring restoration. Much like in the Parsha Pinchas, which we see coming up soon. It says, Kinah Kinati. Yahweh testified of Pinchas. He acted with, he, with my zeal. With my jealousy. Now, He's not using this as a blanket statement to go around doing this all the time in every situation, every circumstance. But what he's saying is here, these are the things that were supposed to happen, and he acted. The difference is, Eliyahu ran. Pinchas didn't. Numbers 25.11 Pinchas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, the grandson of Aaron, is turned away my wrath from the children of Israel while he was zealous for my sake among them that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. 
Zealous and jealous, again, are the same words. Okay? In Hebrew, it reads, Bekanu et kinati. So, he was zealous with my zealousness. He was zealous with my zeal. Or my jealousy. So, why would Yahweh be zealous or jealous over his people? Because we're his bride. And if we're going off into idolatry, we are serving other husbands. The term Baal uh, that we often use for idols doesn't just mean idols. The word Baal means master. And it's like a formal decree, like what you would say, husband. Well, isn't that interesting? That the same word that would be used as a formal term, husband, would be the same word that's used for idolatry. A master. But look at Hoshea. 2.16-17 On that day, says Adonai, you will call me my husband, and you will no longer call me my master. What's the difference? It says, you will call me Ishi, and no longer call me Baali, for I will remove the names of the Baalim from her mouth, and they will never again be mentioned by name. Ishi, what's Ish? Man. Ishi, the E at the end, means mine. So Ishi is literally my man. Literally. But it translates as husband. Okay? So it says, you will call me Ishi and no longer call me Baali, my master. What's the difference? One is a formal decree. The other one is more of a tender relationship, isn't it? Ladies, do you go around calling your husband my husband? Husband. Husband. Husband, come hither. Husband, I wish to talk to thee. Husband. You don't. Because of this relationship. You call them by name. And that's what the Father is telling us about us. It's not this formal thing, this standoff thing. It's relationship. So what was the response? The response to Eliyahu was this. 1 Kings 19.18 Yet I have 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal and every mouth which has not kissed him. Think about it. I'm the only one. And God's like, really? There's 7,000 there that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. I'm like, okay, with 7,000 people in Israel who have not bound the knee to Baal, and Eliyahu, a prophet of Elohim, how would he not know if there's 7,000 people in Israel? Who... Guys, you don't have all the answers. And you don't know everything you think you do. And that's okay, I don't either. But what we need to do is to understand, to trust the Father, to say, it doesn't matter what I look, what it looks like, it doesn't matter what I think, what matters is I just listen to Him. Because sometimes, that's a little different than what we would normally do. So what's, what, what happens next? What's the response of, of what goes on? How about this? Have you ever been zealous about the things of Yahweh and been discouraged by those around you? You ever feel like Elijah did at times? Have you ever been zealous for the things about God and you get excited and you go to tell someone and they look at you like, and? You're like, this is awesome! And they're like, I don't get it. You're like, God, why the heck? Well, keep in mind, guys, it's the Father that opens eyes, not you. Okay, Because if you feel it's your personal job to, to open everybody's eyes, you're going to start hurting people. I mean that. You're going to start hurting people when you start breaking out a crowbar and trying to pry their eyes open. I'm being facetious here, but, but seriously, spiritually and everything, when if you feel it's your job to personally make everybody see, you're going to start destroying people. And at the same time, I'm not telling you don't share what the Father has given you. But it comes down to, are you sharing what's been put on your heart because you genuinely care about the people that God has created? Or do you have to share because I'm right and they need to see it? It's two completely different things. Because think about this. 
The way you see the Scripture now, if you've been in the Scripture for any amount of time, the way you see certain, certain things in the Scripture now, is not the same way you may have seen it about two, three, four, five years ago. Which means what you thought four or five years ago, some of these things may have been wrong. Some just may have been a little off. Some we just didn't have an understanding of. So how are we different than anyone else? We're all there. Okay? We all wake up at different times. Right? <laughs> and, and, and one of my favorite proverbs, to he who blesses his brother early in the morning, to him it will be counted a curse. That's in there. So if we get up early in the morning, we go knocking on our brother's door and going, hey man, time to get up. It's a great day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. All right? We all wake up at different times. <laughs> we have to learn to respect some of the boundaries that we have, even if we are trying to have open discussions. Okay? You, don't, you don't get through someone's boundaries by breaking it down. You get through by relationships. wake up at different times, right? <laughs> and, and, and one of my favorite proverbs, to he who blesses his brother early in the morning, to him it will be counted a curse. That's in there. So if we get up early in the morning, we go knocking on our brother's door and going, hey man, time to get up. It's a great day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> all right? We all wake up at different times. <laughs> We have to learn to respect some of the boundaries that we have. You don't you don't get through someone's boundaries by breaking it down. You get through by relationship. So what is our reaction? Is our reaction anger, depression, anxiety, doubt, fear, or is it faith? When God tells us something like this, when we're feeling discouraged and God is telling us there's others, or or better yet, God is saying, you know, the way that you've thought about this, you're not right. God, I'm the only one. No, you're not. What is our reaction? When someone comes to us and tells us we're wrong, what is our reaction? Think about that. Because that will show something in our heart. Even if we don't see it, even if we disagree, are we willing to hear it out? Think about it. Humility goes a lot further than pride. Right? So, how about this? When Moshe was leading Israel through the wilderness and the time came to prepare to move into the land... Who was chosen? And what was the reaction? Yehoshua was chosen, right? Deuteronomy 31, 7 and 8. Moshe called to Yehoshua and he said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and be of good courage. For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to the fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And Yahweh, He it is that goes before you, and He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Fear not, neither be dismayed. I, I, you can read this a couple different ways, guys, because Moses called to Yehoshua and he said to him, be strong and of good courage because you must go with this people. Or, be strong and of good courage because you must go with this people. Either way, the message is the same. Either way, the message remains the same. Be, be strong and of good courage. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. You will cause them to inherit the land. You will bring them in. Some kicking and screaming. But you will bring them in. Joshua 1.5 
There shall not be any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moshe, I will be with you. Wow. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. That's great stuff. Be strong and of good courage. Why would he say be strong and of good courage? Because he's going to need it. Now check this out. For unto this people you shall divide for an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now look, verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. So he was told to be of strong and of good courage because the, the land was going to be given as an inheritance, but be very courageous and strong regarding something else. What was it? That you may observe to do according to all the law, according to the Torah, that you may observe to keep his word in your heart, to act on it and continue to teach it to the people. To uh, which my uh, which Moses, my servant, commanded you: turn not to the right or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Think about it. Yahweh is saying, if you just walk in my path, there are blessings that follow. If you just listen to me, why? Because He knows how things work. He knows if you do this, this is a path that brings life. This is a path that brings blessing. If you go off the path to do your own thing or to do the thing of the other nations, it's not going to end well, because covenant brings blessing. But you got to walk in obedience to walk in that blessing. <laughs> you can be a son and not be obedient, and it might not go well with you. Right? Verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make its way prosperous, make your way prosperous, and you shall have good success. So, have not I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For Yahweh your God is with you wherever you go. Now think about this. He says, because God is with you wherever you go. So where is the wherever he goes? See, here's, 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 the, here's the turnaround on that. He was going where Yah was leading him. He wasn't walking in his own path. He says, God will be with you wherever you go. Because that's the path he told him to take. As Joshua said, oh, wherever I go, great, let's turn around and camp out at Jericho for a while. Uh, no, because even in that, you know, I will be with you wherever you go because of obedience, because he follows him, because he's walking with them. So we need to stay encouraged for the task at hand. We need to stay encouraged for what the father is doing in our midst, for what the father is doing here today, for what the father is doing in our lives this week. But here's the thing. The task at hand is not beat up on those around us. The task at hand is to show the heart of Yahweh to those around us. What was, what was the, the, all the prophets? Was the, 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 the message of all the prophets, hey, come here, I have a, a fortune for you. No. All the prophets called the people to teshuvah, to repentance, and to keep the word of Elohim. They called them to repent and walk in his word, which is why they stoned all the prophets. <laughs> because it's not what they wanted to hear. But our task at hand is to do much of the same to call the people to repentance and to walk in His Word, but to show them the heart of the Father. He does care for that which He created. We need to show them. It is, it is not God's desire that any would perish. No, we need to show them the heart that, that the Father has given to us. We need to give life to those around us. Are the things that we're declaring and the things that we're doing, are we pointing people towards the Father or are we pointing people towards, well, that's pagan, that's pagan, that's pagan, that's pagan, that's pagan. At what point are we pointing this way? And I'm not saying don't say anything about this other stuff. What I'm saying is where is our emphasis? Where, are we, where, where is our time consumed? Is our time consumed 
searching for the heart of the Father, or is our time consumed with everywhere we get it wrong? Because you know what? There's more and more ways you're going to get it wrong all the time. But there's only one truth. There's only one heart of God. Follow that, and then everything else will pale in comparison. Let your life be an example. Is that what Scripture says? That the people will see your life, to see the good things in your life, to see the good that you do and glorify your Father in heaven. It means people are watching. It needs to be His life that we show. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my right hand of righteousness. You need to hear that today? That the Father says He will uphold you with His right hand of righteousness. So Eliyahu is, is encouraged and he rises to go. Alright? And as he rises, what are some things that happens? 1 Kings 19.15 So Yahweh says to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus and when you come, anoint Hazael to be king over Syria. See, here's the thing. God says, okay, look. I know you've had it rough. You've been discouraged. You took your eyes off me for a minute. You looked at yourself. You looked at your fear. Let's, let's deal with that. That's done. I still have a job for you. So go do it. Okay? So what does he tell him to do? First off, anoint the king, right? Hazael to be king over Syria. And Yehu, the son of Nimshi, who like the original NASCAR driver, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abimeleoah, to anoint to be prophet in Europe. Check this out. He says, I want you to go anoint the, 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 the king over Syria. Okay, got it. Check. I want you to anoint the king for Israel. Got it. Check. And I want you to anoint your replacement. Okay, what? That's exactly what happened. Now, it didn't happen overnight. He went, he, he called El, uh, he called Elisha, and he discipled him for, I think, I could have the time wrong, I think it was like eight years. Okay? So this wasn't like an overnight thing, but think about this. God is saying, okay, you're done? All right, let's get your replacement in place. Wow. But he still wasn't done with him yet, though. So, it came to pass that he... Uh, that he escaped the sword of Hazael shall Jehu say, or slay, and him that escapes the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. So yet I have left 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. So Yahweh adds to, El to Eliyahu, go back, fulfill your calling, go back to do what I've called you to do, train others to walk in the, the anointing that he has given him, which, which is the goal of what? The heart, the father, the children. And to call the children to the Father. Which has to happen. You know, we hear of today, you know, so the spirit of Elijah, you know, going forth in the earth. The spirit of Elijah is not to go around calling fire on people that don't agree with you. I don't care what Facebook says. The spirit of Elijah is to, is to point people in the direction of the Father. And to call people to repent and walk with Him. What happened when Yeshua's disciples tried that? Hey, you want us to call down fire on him? And he said, oh, sure, go ahead. No. No. So he told him to go. He's not done with him. But start by gathering and training others to be, to be put in position and in place for what was to come. Discipleship. Mentoring. Working. To fulfill the goal. 1 Kings 19, 19. So Eliyahu went and he found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, plowing in the field. There were twelve teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the twelfth team. Eliyahu went over to him, and he threw his cloak across his shoulders and walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Eliyahu, and said to him, First, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, 
And then, we, then I will go with you. And Eliyahu replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. He's saying, don't forsake what has happened here. Essentially, he's saying, follow me. Right? And he says, let me say bye to my parents. And he, he told him, go ahead, but don't forget. You know, don't forsake what's going on right now. And that's what happened. Verse 21. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh, and he passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. And then he went with Eliyahu as his assistant. Uh, guess what, guys? No going back. His livelihood was that plow and those oxen. Everything he had, this was his job. This was his livelihood. This is how he lived. When he got called, this what what was the old life, he literally completely dealt with it in a way where he could not return to it because things were changing. There was nothing evil about the oxen. There was nothing evil about the plow. It's just his life was changing from this point forward. And he didn't want to go back to that because he wanted to go that direction. So when we're faced with truth, we have choices, don't we? When we're faced with truth, we have choices. Uh, discouragement, this is important, Discouragement is sometimes the result of expectations that are not met. Is that true? Discouragement is the result of expect. I have expectations. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we may have never told anybody what these expectations are, but we put expectations on other people and these expectations are not met. And then we're upset and discouraged because my expectations weren't met, but we're holding people to standards that we never voiced. Husbands and wives counseling 101. It goes beyond that because we have this in our life. We do. Okay? So, when we're looking eye to eye with the Word, the, the, the fact is we will get convicted. If we're reading the Word and we never get con convicted of what's in the Word, <laughs> we may have some pride to deal with. Because as you read in the Word, it will convict you. But conviction is not condemnation. See, condemnation, is the adversary, there's no hope. You're never going to get it. Oh, see, this standard's just way too high. You can't reach that goal. You just can't do this. Might as well just give up. Huh. No, conviction says you've missed the mark. You need to change. You need to surrender yourself to the Father. You can do it, but you've got to surrender it first. So, our response can bring joy if we allow the Word to work in us. Right? How about the rich young ruler? What were things faced with him? Luke 18, 18. So a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Yeshua says, So why call me good? There is, there is none good but save one, that is God. So you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. He says, You know the commandments. You know these things. And he says, uh, Well, all these I have kept from my youth up. I, I've, I've done all these things. And Yeshua says, uh, When he heard these things, he said to him, You lack one thing. Sell all you have and distribute to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Now, this is not a blanket statement that we take, you know, now our doctrine is we have to sell everything we have and never have any possessions at all and give everything we have to the poor. That's not what he was saying. He was talking to this guy who loved all the stuff that he had, who was not willing to give it up. He trusted in his riches. He loved his riches more than he loved God. So God was telling him, there's this idol, get rid of it and come follow me. And he walked away sorrowful because he had a lot of wealth. Huh. See, a lot of times the Father will ask us to give up something. Do we love it more than him? And he's not saying that he'll never give it back. 
But if he asks you to give something up, do we trust him enough to give it up? How about Yitro? You know, Moshe's father-in-law, right? Yitro, Exodus 18, 8, 12. So Moshe told his father-in-law all that Yahweh had done to Pharaoh and all the Egyptians for Israel's sake and all the travail that had come upon them by the way and how Yahweh delivered them. And Yitro rejoiced over all the goodness which Yah had done to Israel, uh, whom he had delivered out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Yitro said, Blessed be Yahweh who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh who has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Side note, you know how um, in traditional Judaism there's like a blessing for everything? <laughs> right? You know, a lot of times, most of the blessings start off, forgive me for using this terminology, with this formula in verse 10. You know, even a lot of, you know, like Baruch Atah Adonai Elohim. Well, Jethro said, blessed is the Lord who, blessed is the Lord that, it's not a bad thing. He was making this declaration, right? But he was, wasn't coerced, he was rejoicing. 11. So now know that Yahweh is greater than all gods, for in the thing which you dealt proudly, he was above them. And Yitro, Moshe's father-in-law, took what? A burnt offering and sacrifices for God. And Aaron came and all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moshe, with Moshe's father-in-law before God. Think about this. The very first person to make offerings to the God of Israel outside of Egypt as soon as they were brought out was someone who was not even a part of Israel. <laughs> But then what did he do? Did he join himself with Israel or did he go back to Midian? He went back to Midian. And you know, there's a lot of midrush on it, okay? So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna condemn him for going back to Midian, but the point is he did not continue forward to go into the land, which was the fullness of the promise that was there. Psalm 56, 3. When I am afraid, I what? I want us to say that. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. We need to, we need to do that. And sometimes we need to say that. Verse 4, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? It's like, so what can they do? Kill you? And then what? Isaiah 51, 7. Hearken unto me, you that know righteousness. The people in whose heart is what? The people who have the word of Yah written on their heart. You who know righteousness. You who know righteousness are those who keep his word in here. How do we know what righteousness is if we don't know what God declares as righteous? He says, fear not the reproach of men, or be afraid of their revilings. doesn't matter what people will try to do to you. doesn't matter that they speak bad about you. It doesn't matter that they don't like you. But it does matter how you respond to it. You know, we, we, we use parents and kids as an example a lot because we're called the children of God. <laughs> and we act that way. <laughs> well, if your child says something to you, well, they did this, okay, they did this and that was wrong, but you responded in a wrong way as well. So it's not just what someone else has done. Just because somebody else did something wrong does not now give you license to respond wrong. About Yeshua, when he said, bless those who curse you, who despitefully use you, who revile you, bless them. John 16, 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you might have what? Peace. In the world you have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Now, he says that you have peace. He didn't say that the tribulation wouldn't happen. The tribulation, uh, the word is often used for tribulation literally means just pressing. Okay? Like being pressed together. Okay? It's not fun, is it? When you're being pressed. That's, you know, stress and everything. Just press. So, he never said it's not going to happen. What he says is you'll have peace. So he says, 
In me you have peace. The world just has tribulation. It doesn't matter what the world is going through. In Him we can have peace. And peace, again, is not determined by my circumstances. The word peace means whole and complete. So at peace. It does not mean there's tranquility and there's nothing going wrong. That's not peace. That's unrealistic. Here, now, anyway. Peace is it doesn't matter what circumstances are. I trust. I am whole. I am complete. I walk with my God. John 14.27 Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Where you turn your eyes is where you will go. You ever notice that? How about when you were learning to ride a bike? You remember back that far? <laughs> when you were learning to ride a bike, wherever you, your eyes went, that's where you went. If you're going, if you're riding a bike and you're looking over here, you're going to go this way. You're going to fall. Wherever you look, that's where you're going. Oh my gosh, there's a car right in front of me! <laughs> and you hit it. Why? Because <laughs> you couldn't turn. Because where you were looking, that's where you were going. That's why it doesn't work when you see a kid running backwards. <laughs> Which they do. And they fall. <laughs> Let our hearts be focused on the Father. His heart, His ways. That way, and I'm not saying times of discouragement won't come. But that way when they come, you got your focus right, and you won't stay there long. Spirit of Eliyahu. What was the point of the Spirit of Eliyahu? Join the fathers to the children. We read him in Malachi. Malchi. For behold, a day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble, and the day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, not to get into all this, but this, that many believe this to be a messianic prophecy, because the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. This is why the woman with the issue of blood reached out to touch the hem of His garment. It's because of this Scripture right here. Right? The word for son is the same word for servant. Shemesh, shemash. Same letters, same word. So the servant of righteousness will rise with healing in His wings. What was the wings? The borders, the hem of His garment. What was on the hem of His garment? Which is to tell us what? To be obedient to the Lord our God, to walk in His Word, walk in His ways. Don't go pursuing our own heart, but seek Him in everything according to Numbers chapter 15, right? So in the Messiah, there would be healing there to remind us to walk in His Word, to walk in His ways. Now, this is why this was a Messianic prophecy. So the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in His wings, and He shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Guess what? When we come to the realization of this, and we've been set free, we've been healed, we've been delivered, do you say, oh, that's nice. Or are you going to be a little excited? Yeah, I see like leaping like calves out of the stall. You ever see when they open that gate? Yeah, go up jumping and leaping and everything. It's just great, right? And you shall tread down the wicked. Yeah, see, that's just, that's, it's getting even better, right? We're getting free, we're getting redeemed, we're following the Messiah, and, and He's calling us, returning us to the land, he's, he's returning us to His promises, there's this leaping, the adversary's going away, all these great things are happening, right? But there's more that we never go to. Because see, when this happens, verse 4 tells us, Remember the Torah of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. So when you've been set free, when you've been redeemed, when you've been delivered, don't forget the Word of God. Don't forget the Torah that was given to you to show you how to continue to walk in this path that He has set in front of you. How do we keep from getting discouraged? Stay on the road. You can't go off the road and get, get upset because you're stuck in the mud. Stay on the road. 
And behold, I will send you Eliyahu the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. To do what? He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Matthew eleven thirteen to 15 All the prophets and all the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Eliyahu who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So he says that John was declaring, walking in the same spirit that was on Eliyahu, right? He's not saying he was Eliyahu reincarnated. No, he was saying the same spirit that was on Eliyahu was on John. So what was John doing to the people? Calling them to repentance? Calling them to the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. Turn to God. Walk in His ways. To point to the heart of the Father. But even in these great, mighty, and marvelous things, even John got discouraged at the end of his life. When it came down to him losing his life, he says, uh, are you the one? So this is what I'm telling you. Just to be discouraged from time to time is not bad. Okay? It's part of life. But don't let that run your life. Don't succumb to that. Keep your eyes where they're supposed to be. Turn your heart to the Father. Meditate on His Word. Seek His heart. Walk in His ways. There are some times that in life and experiences where we don't know certain things about ourselves or certain things about the God that we serve unless we go through certain experiences. Like David said, how, how it was when God chastised me that I returned to Him. <laughs> Sometimes we need to go through something to see what the Father wants for us. So just because we're going through something, don't lose heart. Don't, don't, don't get into discouragement. Don't stay there. Don't be dismayed. Turn your eyes to Him. Walk with Him. Let Him show you how much He cares for you. Learn to give life to those around you. And watch and see the restoration that He does. Amen.